The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. This is Zach Groff, and I'm your host, and I have with me in the studio today Dr. Joseph Piper, current president of Greenville Seminary, and Dr. Jonathan Master, future president of Greenville Seminary. So this is a very special podcast where we're going to introduce Dr. Master to you. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Zach. It's great to be here. As always, Dr. Piper, the feeling is mutual. So, Dr. Piper, why don't you introduce Dr. Master to us? I uh, have known Dr. Master from the distance, uh, Banner Truth Conferences, things like that. I knew his name. So I actually put his name in uh, to the board of directors, and they began the search for a new president. We had him down to speak at our uh, spring conference in 2019, and we spent time together, and I got very excited about him as a person, about his theology and and uh, philosophy of education and ministry. So I became uh, the cheerleader, uh, but the board quickly got excited as well. That same week, the uh, search committee interviewed Jonathan, and they were excited and moved very quickly. And so we all were very glad to say, let's go for uh, next summer. The only jolt that I really got out of the whole thing was when I learned that he's the age of my son. <laughs> but that's great. He is a mature and godly man. My son is too. I'm talking about Dr. Master. A mature and godly man, and I'm very excited. Um, his background, he's been the dean of Divinity School at Cairn University. He served in the pastorate. He's currently um, helping to serve an Orthodox Presbyterian congregation in the Philadelphia area. Uh, he loves he loves Christ. He loves God. He, he loves the Reformed faith, experimental Calvinism. And he loves to pair men for the pastorate. And these were all things that attracted me as well as the Board of Trustees to Dr. Master. We got one end of the story here. We found out how Dr. Master's name even got on the list of, uh, of candidates for your successor. Dr. Master, what attracted you to Greenville Seminary, and how long have you really known about what we're doing here? Well, Zach, I need to start by apologizing to our listeners. Um, I, uh, As I was getting here yesterday, flying here yesterday, my voice more or less abandoned me, so I'm going to do my best here and ask for your indulgence. To answer your question... Uh, Greenville Seminary, I, I've known I've known about Greenville Seminary for probably 20 years. I didn't know much about it. Uh, it wasn't until Dr. Piper's uh, path started crossing with my path, or my path started crossing with his, um, in probably around 2006, that I started to learn more about the seminary, and it was a gradual process. But what I've always been attracted to. Uh, is Greenville's doctrinal unity and what I think of as its laser-like focus on preparing men for Christ-centered pastoral ministry, pouring themselves out as under-shepherds for local churches. That's really at the very center of my own passions, and and that that's really what attracted me here to the seminary. 
Wonderful. That is, that's exactly why so many of our students are attracted here to Greenville Seminary is because they want to be equipped to be preachers, pastors, and churchmen to serve the local church. So it's encouraging to hear that, that this distinctive of Greenville Seminary, this focus of ours really, so we share this value with other seminaries, but this, this focus, particular focus here will continue into the future. And Dr. Piper, so many people are asking me this and, uh, a lot of times I have to defer it uh, to this podcast, for example. But how did you come to the decision to move into a full-time faculty position, handing over the presidency to a successor? I've been full-time faculty for 21 and a half years. I president normally doesn't teach a full load, but I, I came, I wanted to teach. So I'm not changing anything on that end. But the presidency, actually, when I, I came here January 1st, 1998, I really thought that maybe 10 years uh, I and I kind of have set the goal maybe around between 60 and 65 that I would uh, step out of the presidency and just uh, just teach in God's providence where the seminary was the kind of progress that we we're making responsibilities it just never seemed at a good time to me the board never even seemed to think about it for you to leave right so about about three years ago we all recognize that we need to start a um, a transition process that at that point I would have been 69 and uh, recognizing that it would be good for the seminary to have a younger man. So we started a, the um, succession plan. And I'm really excited, Zach, because I've had experience other places and when I came here, one of my goals was is to get a board that was 100% behind us theologically, that understood and were behind us theologically. Because I saw in my mentor's experience that what he was doing and what a board wanted were almost diametrically opposed. And so that was a goal, and by God's grace, uh, we were able to put together a board over these last particularly 18, 15 to 18 years, made up a broad range of confessional Presbyterians from the Napark churches and others. Um, but they've really taken ownership in the work of the seminary in the last four or five years. And it's been exciting to watch. So with this process, they've been great. And they've really worked hard at thinking of how we would do it what, what we would do. Actually, I say three years ago, that was when we made the final decision, but probably it was two years, probably five years ago then that we first started thinking about a date for me. That was one thing. What's, what's an age that is going to be appropriate? And we decided on 74. Um, kind of arbitrarily that they just thought that would be, at that point, give me four or five more years. Um, and so they went through the process with job description, qualifications, uh, non-negotiables. I've had people contact me, as you've had contact you, Zach. Uh, does Dr. Master hold to your view of creation? Yes, the answer is 100% with us. Um, so we had a, a series of, of, of non-negotiables. Uh, we've all been praying about it. And so then we put together this uh, initial list and elected the search committee that did a really good job. It had one member of the faculty 
and then a number of board members, and they worked hard at it, and we all continued to pray about it. And things clicked so quickly. It was just, it wasn't by any plan. I mean, they, they were going to interview Dr. Master at the conference. I had invited him to the conference, but back in my mind, this would be a chance to get to know him better in, in this context. But I mean, once they, once I got to know him and they interviewed him, I pr- it probably snowballed. In fact, a couple of times it scared me. It, it was going so fast, and I'm just making sure I'm backing out now. Let them let them do this. This is their job. Uh, it went so fast, they actually felt as though they should do a few more interviews just to be sure that the, they were right on, on that. The Lord clearly was leading in this direction. Well, we praise the Lord for bringing the whole process to a conclusion in such a speedy way, but also it seems like such a good way. Everybody yeah. here is really excited for Dr. Master to come. We actually had a lunch today, uh, as you know, you men know, but our listeners don't know. We had a lunch today with students here on campus. We, we said, bring your own lunch and spend some time with Dr. Master, get to know him, ask some questions, let him get to know the resident student body at least. One thing I'd like to, to hear from you, Dr. Master, is what stuck out to you, if anything, from your time, your hour and a half or so with some of the resident students here this Friday? Yeah, so I'll, I'll answer that, but also I'll back up a little bit. One of, the, one of the points in the process that I would say for me was a kind of turning point was uh, Dr. Piper invited me to uh, sit at his table and be part of a dinner for the, the, the students who were graduating. And so I got to meet all the students who were graduating this past spring. And that was, as I said, a turning point for me because that's really where I started to get a sense of what the student body is all mm-hmm. about here, what these men are focused on, what they care about, what they're getting from their time at Greenville. And, and, and I would say what I saw then is what I saw today, which is these are students who are serious about the study of scripture, about understanding theology, about preparing themselves in every respect to serve Christ in the local church and to serve the church as faithfully as, as they can for as long as they can. And that has really impressed me. There's not a, there's not a, an ounce of, uh, of them second guessing the value of this kind of education. And all of them are, are churchmen. They're already, they were talking to me today about their involvement already in congregations around Greenville. And, and, and that I think continues on through their time here um, and, the, and then after they graduate. Dr. Piper, let's keep Dr. Master's voice as, <laughs> as conserved as we can. I appreciate here. it. I appreciate that. <laughs> I have another question for you. How do you envision being a resource to Dr. Master during the transition? What is that going to look like? I've thought a lot about that, Zach, and I've prayed about it. Uh, some of the background things I'm doing is even on this trip, we have talked about a number of possible classes, um, that he maybe might teach two classes in the fall. We don't want him to do too much that first fall here. Uh, but I've begun making a, uh, a chronicle of what I do on an annual basis, big things like the faculty retreat, stuff like that, the monthly meetings, and then at various times along the way what those responsibilities uh, are. 
We're putting together, uh, we have a file of all significant board actions, and uh, my assistant will be making that uh, available uh, to him when she gets it uh, updated. We've, um, and so then when he moves and uh, starts officially July 1st, 2020, I just want to be here that first semester uh, for him. I know he'll have questions, and that was something I, I mentioned when we did the video. I didn't have. I, I could see how the Lord prepared me for what things the seminary needed, but I really didn't have anybody resident. Because Dr. Smith was never president, and Dr. Smith, although he started two seminaries, basically wasn't into that academic administration end of things. And it was one of the reasons the, the board... Uh, particularly under Dr. Knight's influence. And so I would call Dr. Knight periodically with, with ideas or questions. And, um, so he's had so much more experience already, but there'll be some, some questions. Uh, and so I just want to be here for him. Uh, I want to stay out of his way as well. And then uh, second semester, I'll be on sabbatical at the board's uh, uh, suggestion which I think is very wise. I actually had a couple of friends recommend that. I didn't tell the board, but I, I just think it's very wise. And I can get out and do some writing and a little bit of travel with my wife and um, throw him out of the nest. <laughs> but I think the transition is going to be really good. I mean, we've, in part because of his experience, in part simply because um, we've got, at this point administratively, a pretty smooth operation and so it's not going to be it'd be much different than when I came and so I think with his experience and I'm there as a resource uh, for him so we're still working out again some things that I do now that you know what he'll take over in those particular areas that aren't so much part of the normal president's job description but things that we've developed through the through the period of time but the board will eventually work with him on his job description now one thing that i've suggested to the board that we maybe start in the summer and if not doing the fall uh a, maybe a four city road trip not all in one time but go into an area and have a dinner uh, for our supporters in that area and uh, so this is something we'll be praying yeah. about thinking about we are so grateful for the support we have here in the upstate as a seminary located in the upstate. We have so many friends here in our churches and in our neighborhood who are so generous with us. We also get a great deal of support at a few key places around the country, particularly where faculty and staff and students have either come from or gone to. And, um, and I think that it would be great for them to get some face time with the both of you during this, this special point in the history of the seminary. Right. And insofar as we're significant at all for American Presbyterianism, the history of American Presbyterianism, a transition like this is really, in some sense, a momentous occasion, even at a small school like ours. But uh, I like to say we punch outside of our weight class. And, <laughs> and so it's, it's, it's good to um, it's good to let people know what's going on here and to, to let them see how the transition's progressing. And toward that end, Dr. Master, what are your plans in the coming months to prepare for the move? You know, I've, I've been spending a significant amount of my time in prayer focused on what what's next, focused on coming down here. Um, I There are a lot of details uh, related to the move that my family has to work out. Um, so 
spending a lot of time talking to my wife about what that looks like, educational things we need to work out for our children. But um, primarily, I would say at this point, the the big things have been um, seeking the Lord in prayer uh, for this new responsibility and also beginning to think through and talk through with others like Dr. Piper what might be on the horizon. For my part, in case anybody's curious, I'm preparing um, a lexicon of sorts of words that people down here don't know for uh, for men from Philadelphia. You know, I've, I've kind of been down You've this been for here. the past couple of years. There's certain things you don't say down to shore. Jimmy's, John, Tap Mac, they, Wooder. They have no idea what we you're talking Jimmy about. We have Jimmy John's here. That's not what I said. <laughs> we're talking about Jimmy's and then John. Yeah, two separate Philadelphia things. Philadelphia cheese. Hoagies. You will miss you will miss hoagies and cheesesteaks. But the barbecue makes up for it. I'll tell you what. Yeah, I think it will. I, I say that I think about that almost every day. The barbecue makes up for losing the cheesesteaks. Um, <laughs> my wife thinks a lot of people are trying to copy cheesesteaks down here now, you know. I said try. Try is the operative <laughs> word. I mean, no feds. <laughs> All right. Dr. Master, another question for you. What do you want Greenville Seminary to be known as? Uh, under your presidency, under your leadership? I would hope that when someone thinks of Greenville Seminary or someone calls to mind one of our graduates, they would immediately recognize that our focus is on preparing men to serve in Christ's church, to, to be stewards of the word of God. You know, Paul says to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself as an approved workman who doesn't need to be ashamed who correctly handles the word of truth. And I would hope that our graduates would would be those kind of approved workmen, that they would correctly handle God's word, that they would serve God's people, that they would stand for the glory of God, that they would be uh, about the work of uh, of Christ in, in, in their whole uh, lifetime of ministry. It's It sounds very basic, but institutions can can focus on a hundred things or a thousand things and what i would hope for is that greenville seminary is known for that one thing backing up a little bit um away from the institution stuff and just getting to know you personally we we know you're the academic dean of the divinity school or just the dean of the divinity school at cairn university a fine institution in philadelphia it's my go-to christian university in philly if someone says they want to go to christian um University in Philadelphia. That's I always re- reference Karen based on my friends' experiences there, and uh, my other friends' experiences at other schools in the area. But I want to know a bit more about you personally. Who have been, or what have been, who slash what have been some of the formative influences on your life? Obviously, Scripture and the Holy Spirit and and Christ. But um, as far as ministers who have had a profound influence on your life, theological writers and thinkers that, that you have really, uh, that you have really engaged with, um, historically living today, whatever, you know, who has influenced you? You know, when I think about that, I can't, I have to say, and this isn't just a throwaway line, my mother and father had a tremendous influence on me spiritually, incalculable. And they did that in all, in all kinds of ways. So I need to start there. The, the first pastor who, who really shaped my thinking in, in, a, in an obvious way was Dr. James Montgomery Boyce. When I was in college, I 
was at 10th Church, and this was during the latter years of Dr. Boyce's ministry. And I probably couldn't tell you the outlined the outlines of six sermons that he preached, but the cumulative effect of his preaching week in and week out had a tremendous influence on me. I watched God use his word in my heart in transformational ways, and then I saw that happen to an entire congregation shaped by the word of God. And Dr. Boyce was so helpful because not only was he modeling that, but he was telling you what he was doing. And so you didn't have to spend too much time with him to realize that's what he was committed to. He was committed to opening up God's word in the context of public worship and preaching to God's people. Everything sort of flows out from that in terms of my pastoral examples. A little later on, I encountered Banner of Truth books, and it's really hard for me to measure the influence of those books on my life, but it's been huge. And then connecting with other like-minded ministers through Banner of Truth conferences, also a massive influence on me. So, so those are the kind of key touchstones. There are other men who have influenced me greatly. Probably these are men whose names would not be known to the listeners. These are just faithful pastors who week in and week out have done the work that God gave them to do. But Dr. Boyce, Banner of Truth, the Minister's Conference there, those are certainly, certainly some significant ones. Now, I want to give a plug to an organization Dr. Boyce was was instrumental in shaping and, and, and building up, and that is the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Yep. Um, I'll let you explain your role with the Alliance, but before I do that, I, I want to mention that Dr. Master has a podcast with the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, co-hosted with Dr. James Dolezal of Cairn University. And on that podcast, they did have an episode uh, a few months back, maybe even end of last year, where they discussed some of the formative of influences on in their life in terms of men uh, whose preaching have really shaped them. So I, I recommend our listeners to go find that episode if you want to hear more about uh, Dr. Boyce's influence on Dr. Master's life, but also some other influences uh, in his life and as, as he's matured as a minister of the gospel. Uh, but Dr. Master, would you tell us a bit more about your involvement with the Alliance and, and what that's going to look like in the future insofar as you all know? Well, I don't know exactly if if I can answer the question about the future, but I first encountered the Alliance through Dr. Boyce's ministry again. The Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology was uh, something that, that shaped me. Dr. Boyce was, of course, always a speaker there and kind of the convener of that conference. But it, it moved on from there. I, I worked um, and ultimately chaired a conference that was the first derivative of the Philadelphia Conference. It was called the Princeton Regional Conference on Reformed Theology. And I worked with that conference for quite a while, got to know the Alliance folks through that. And then um, gradually also, uh, gradually uh, worked more closely with them, started a website called Place for Truth, which is still ongoing, and I'd commend it to our listeners. And then the podcast, as you mentioned, Zach, Theology on the Go. Right now, I'm also editorial director for the Alliance, so if there are questions that arise about uh, doctrinal clarity 
within a certain article or anything that the Alliance puts out. I help with that and help with some of the big picture strategy of the Alliance. So that's my role now. What it will be in the future, we'll have to see. But um, certainly the Alliance has has been something that the Lord has greatly used in my life. And, and it's exciting to hear from listeners and readers because it has a, a tremendous reach into areas where oftentimes good, sound doctrine uh, doesn't have great inroads. I'll tell you what, as one who grew up in Philadelphia, I'm so thankful for the Alliance and for PCRT, which was held at 10 for many years. For the last few years, has been at Proclamation, a church in my former presbytery. I love having an excuse to go to Philadelphia every year to represent the seminary and visit my mom. (laughs) But there's also uh, the Quakertown Conference on Reformed Theology at Grace Bible Fellowship Church in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, kind of north-northwest of the city. And uh, Ron Cole, the pastor there, has invited Dr. Piper to speak at that conference in the fall of 2020. So if any of our listeners are in the Philadelphia area or any of Dr. Master's friends would love to get to know the seminary more, make sure you get the dates for that conference once they're announced on AllianceNet.org and put it on your calendar. And Zach, I'll also mention, although I'm not officially in the employ of Greenville Seminary, I'm going to be at the Quakertown Conference this year in 2019, and I ha- I'm happy to answer any questions, meet with anyone who might be... Um, interested in the seminary. Great. And we should have a table there as well, man, at least by a, a friend in the area. Right. November 9th, 8th and 9th okay, this year. Good. Yeah. And good. then 2020 uh, will be November as well. One great privilege of being in advancement at an institution or being president of an institution is the opportunity to express thanks and express gratitude on behalf of the entire community of, uh, in our case, students, faculty, staff, board members. Dr. Pipe, as you reflect on the last 20-odd years of ministry here, for what are you most thankful? Whoa, not enough time. Uh, Obviously thankful to the triune God who uh, not only saved me, but by His grace put me into the ministry and then uh, shaped my life in a way that at times I I thought was difficult. I, I never had the opportunity to be in a a full-time student. I worked my way from college through PhD. And I envied friends that could study full-time, but one of the things I've learned out of that is I can uh, multitask, and that's something I've needed. So I thank the Lord for the preparation, as well as the daily grace uh, and the privilege. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something that many men get in their life to shape a uh, an institution that is training men for the Reformed Gospel Ministry. I thank the Lord for that. And of course, I thank our people here, the faculty and staff are, are so helpful. Uh, as was mentioned earlier, the unity theologically is so important. The collegiality, uh, the support, the prayers. Uh, I'm thankful to the Board of Trustees, as I've said, for their growth and leadership. And then just for all of our our friends and supporters, uh, anytime I'm out, people are commenting on different things about the seminary, appreciation, I get contacts, appreciation for our graduates. And so just a hearty thank you to all those who pray regularly for us. We could not, we could not do what we do without the regular prayers of God's people. And those generous uh, supporters who give the widow's might uh, straight on up 
We appreciate every one of you. Dr. Master? Boy, I don't even know where to begin. It's, um, it's really overwhelming to start to reflect on all the Lord's blessings in my life. Even just in this process, I'm so grateful to the Lord for the, the ways in which he has enabled me to serve him. You know, when I graduated from, actually before I went to seminary, I remember distinctly thinking, you know, I don't know whether I will have the opportunity or the gifts to serve the Lord in pastoral ministry, but if, if that were ever possible, what a great privilege that would be. And the Lord's given me that privilege. And then as Dr. Piper said, the privilege to be used to shape other men for that kind of gospel ministry is just something that I really can't even wrap my head around. So grateful to the way in which he's blessed um, my family and I through this process, a number of moments, a number of conversations that have been affirming of this direction and to the point where I really felt a sense of clarity about the call that the board extended. And so th they're, just, they're just too many things to list, but the Lord has been tremendously gracious and his mercies are, are new to us every morning. And so it's, it's really just something that I can't quite measure or adequately express. Amen. Well, we're going to be praying for your family in the months ahead as you as you wrap up your tenure at Cairn University, that you would do so faithfully into the glory of God and to the benefit of your colleagues and your students, and that the transition there at that fine institution will go as smoothly as it seems to be going here for us, if not even more smoothly. And, um, and Dr. Piper, from your perspective as the president, and, and considering what it looks like to finish strong in your capacity as president as you prepare to move into a solely faculty teaching position here at the seminary, what would you ask our listeners to consider doing in terms of prayer and material support for the seminary in the months ahead? Uh, thank you, Zach. I've, I've mentioned the need of prayer. Well, I've thanked you for your prayers. Uh, and please... Uh, continue uh, to pray regularly and faithfully for the seminary. I think Zach sends out prayer reminders as well. Focus on those things, but particularly keep in mind now the transition. Uh, pray for the master master family as they move, and I will adjust to the to the change well, and that the faculty and staff will adjust to it well and accept uh, Jonathan's leadership, and then. We really need uh, to increase our giving a great deal, our receiving, in the next year. Uh, in this transition, uh, I just remind you that we, Dr. Shaw will be leaving uh, in December. And so we really need the prayers of our people that God will generate the funds for us. And so I've been pleading with the Lord to give us a surplus of funds. Uh, you can pray about a, a particular donor that uh, is praying about uh, making a, a large uh, gift to the seminary in this transition. Uh, and then I would like to be able, when I leave uh, in a, a year, to know that our mortgage has been paid and we've really begun substantially to build up the, uh, the endowment for the Smith chair. I think if I could walk away having the, the building paid for and an endowment for the Smith chair well along the way, 
I would really be happy. And last fiscal year, I think it's worth mentioning, the prayers of many people were answered in large degree. We received um, donations above and beyond our expectations, and we were able to establish a modest scholarship endowment for Mm, students' benefit. Uh, So that's a self-perpetuating fund, as well as made significant inroads uh, so that the mortgage is really within sight. I think we have about $145,000 left on the mortgage. Remember, originally, the cost of getting into this place and refurbishing it was in excess of $3 million. So over the past years, God has been so faithful to us uh, where we've not only stayed on top of regular payments, but we've, you know, by God's grace and the generosity of supporters have, have almost knocked this thing out. Yep. And uh, we hope to do so before Dr. Piper hands off the baton to Dr. Masters. So there's at least one less thing on his plate. It would be the mortgage. We could focus on the endowment. Uh, but we, we are so thankful for the support of so many people for the seminary. Indeed we are. Gentlemen, I know that Dr. Piper has other um, other uh, appointments this afternoon, and Dr. Master's voice is just about kicked the bucket. Yep, um, I'm afraid so. So I think we're going to close it up here, but I'm so glad to have you men with me. I'm looking forward to working with you, Dr. Master. And Likewise. I so love working with you, Dr. Piper, and I think the next uh, few months ahead are going to be exciting and uh, productive times here at the seminary. Amen. Thanks, Zach. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.